Okay, welcome to the Life in Red podcast. We're at lifeinredpodcast.com, Life in Red podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter, we're at Life in Red Pod. Uh, go uh, follow and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Um, my guest today, I, these interviews and chats kind of always make me nervous, but are also exciting because sometimes I have people come on and we don't really have a directive of, you know, they don't have something to promote or or a particular area of expertise. So I never really know where these conversations are going to go. But I really enjoyed this conversation with my new friend. Um, he's from England, from Birmingham, uh, and works in London as well. He is a police officer, and we get a little bit into that, but not too deep because it's a it's a touchy subject. Uh, but the big thing we kind of talk about is emotions and being vulnerable. And one thing that we have in common, even though we live in different time zones and different continents, is we both went through a breakup uh, through this pandemic, which uh, if you relate to that or you have friends or anything like that who've been through that, kind of you know, makes it that much worse. You're already going through a, a breakup, which is hard enough, but you go through it in a pandemic and you can't really date again and you can't go out and meet new people and you're kind of isolated and alone. And we talk a lot about that and how being open with our emotions and being vulnerable and, and sharing kind of the, the way we feel on social media and with our friends and just being open and honest and how, how that helped the healing process. And I think, especially for men, we, we do not do that enough, uh, whether it's with breakups or just our emotions in general. And I think this conversation goes a long way in breaking down, you know, traditional masculinity and, and toxic masculinity and what that looks like. So I, I hope it's relatable. I hope you really enjoy it. Uh, and of course, he has a British accent, which I love. <laughs> so please give it up for my guest, Mr. Alex Field. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, joining me all the way across the Atlantic Ocean, is it sunny there? I was going to say sunny UK. Uh, Alex, how are you, man? Yeah, good, thank you, Ryan. It's, it's definitely not sunny. It's um, the, the, the cold nights are drawing in quick with the winter now, so it's, it's about 4.30 in the afternoon. It's already pitch black. So, uh, oh, God. Um, I guess my, the first most important question is I'm pretty obsessed with British accents. So do you have any friends that are women who like Canadians, and how can we make sure that we set this up for me? Well, it's, <laughs> it's interesting you, uh, you, you comment. So um, I, I studied a year in Canada in um, at Ottawa University as part of the study abroad program and I came over with uh, a British guy and a British girl and the, the girl didn't want to leave because she fell in love with the Canadian guys there. so um, yeah uh, the accents are quite interesting here so I'm from Birmingham in the United Kingdom and we usually uh, people from Birmingham or Brummies as we call we have um, quite strong accents it's it's actually being coined as one of the more depressing accents in the country um, but for such a small island, there's a big dialect, regional dialect of accents, probably more so than anywhere else in the world for such a small, small space. Yeah, I think it's so funny, like how we resemble like Canadians and British, like we, we come from, you know, the same monarchy and, and colony and there's so much resemblance. But like for Canadians, it's like, OK, so you live in the UK, so from London and people are like, no. And you're like, mm, then I don't I don't know. I know Birmingham 
because if I'm not mistaken, that is where Black Sabbath is from. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and it has a huge metal scene because it's su- it was such a factory, like um, blue collar town that everyone was so miserable and depressed. And then metal came out of it. It's come up with some great metal bands and a great metal scene. It has indeed. Yeah, that, that's so true. And um, yeah, it, it's funny you say, because whenever you speak to a, let's say a North American, so if I put America, I don't like to put Americans and Canadians in the same, in the same bracket, because I think Canadians are a lot more intelligent than Americans, actually. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, in terms of um, when, when you speak to a North American, it's very much like, oh, so you're from London. And, and it's like, that's the only place that exists in their mind. But of course, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in Birmingham now and it's only an hour and a half on the train or two hours by car to London. So everything's so close. And this is probably the second, this is the, um, the second biggest city in the, in the country. All right. You know, I've had a few people on actually, since I transitioned this podcast to Zoom and uh, doing it virtually. So I've had a few people from the UK. I've had uh, Chloe, who is a, a stripper sex worker from London. I've had uh, someone from Wales. Um, and I always like to get a sense of how the pandemic has kind of worked over there because we we get the one side in the news and i mean just very recently as we record this um that new strain was coming from the uk that was like you know like just kind of rapidly going through the uk and now it's kind of come over to some other places you how is like for you in, in birmingham like that's another place that we wouldn't talk about we kind of think of how does the pandemic translate to london and the big city but like for you, like, how is it, how's it kind of worked? How do you think it's been handled? Has like, you know, we're obsessed with lockdowns here and getting pissed off in small business, getting closed. Like, what's it like been, been there for you? Yeah, it's, it's been um, probably very similar to what you've just mentioned, if not worse. So, I mean, I work in London, so I spend a lot of my time in London and I kind of uh, mix and match my time between the two cities, but so we're, we're in a third lockdown now, um, and I do feel as though, and I'm, I'm sure lots of people share my views here, that if we would have dealt with this correctly during the first lockdown, um, you know, various features could have been brought in, such as just shutting the borders and stopping people leaving and coming in just for that period of time, we'd be in a much better place now. But instead, we're now in a third lockdown, and they're talking about going on until the middle of March. So it's, um, it's a pretty dire situation at the moment, yeah. Has there been, like, what kind of support have people been getting there in, in terms of, you know, financial, mental health? Um, like, here at the beginning of the pandemic, we had um, something that was called the, the CERB, which people got if they got out of work. But it, they've transitioned off of that. Now that the pandemic is worse here in Canada than it's ever been, we haven't really introduced anything new. And so you're finding a lot of people, you know, we don't have paid sick leave. So if people, you know, like nurses or frontline workers get sick, like they're screwed. They're, they're probably not going to get paid. And so they're choosing to go to work, which is, you know, worsening the spread. Has, has the UK been better? I mean, it's, you look at America too, because Canada and US are so kind of linked that America is even worse. Like they got two checks and like, that's it. Um, what, what kind of support has been for people there? Okay, yes, so the, the, the government here, they introduced um, a furlough scheme um, back in uh, March when this all kind of kicked off initially last year, um, whereby they were giving um, small businesses, so such as my, my, uh, my dad, he's a carpet and flooring uh, business, and they were giving smaller businesses um, a furlough, which was 80% of what their wage would be for the month. Uh, I know some companies that my friends have worked for, they were topping up the extra 
20%. So they were working from home, began paid at least 80 by the government. And I think that worked quite well for a long time. Um, I'm not sure if they've reintroduced it now, but um, yeah, there definitely has been the support there, yeah. I've, I find, you know, and again, I only know things from the news. Um, so when I take a look at things like Brexit and, and other things, it seems there's a large population of the UK and, and England more specifically that's very conservative and very stubborn in their ways. Has there been a lot of like protest there to the lockdowns, uh, the mask wearing, the, you know, kind of government control? Yeah, absolutely. You, you, um, so obviously we, we've gone through the Brexit transition process. Um, in the last don't, don't really want to get into too much about which way <laughs> I voted and whatnot, but there has certainly been, um, certainly been a lot of processes um, that I've had to deal with in my line of work as well. And that has kind of flowed into um, anti-lockdown protests, mask wearing protests. Um, you only have to go on the, the Instagram of Matt, Han- Matt Hancock, who's the, um, kind of the health minister in the UK who's uh, rolling out the vaccine rollout and you can just see the amount of comments against him and the current government um, so there's a lot of people pissed off at the moment yeah it's so interesting that you know we're you know six hours in time difference we're a couple hours by plane ride yet there's there's such a similar sentiment that kind of like no matter where you go in the world you still have people like it's, it's the human psychology is like all the same really like we have the the exact same thing People are harassing our health minister. Um, you know, I, I I follow the news quite frequently and I, I listen to it while I'm in the shower. And, uh, you know, I hear Germany is going through the same thing. It's so funny that, like, even though we're, we all kind of have different experiences and cultural backgrounds and come from different countries, that <laughs> it, at the end of the day, everything's still kind of the same. You have the people who are for it and are locking down and are just trying to do their best. And you have people who are out there, like, trying to, like, buck shit up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's um, it, it, we are all just one human race at the end of the day, aren't we? And it's um, you know, some people can, can say it could have been dealt with better. I'd say now, yes, things have been slow. I think we we've got the most vaccines rolled out of anywhere in the world so far. So they're finally getting there. It's just taken a long time, and I think that's where the um the arguments have arisen. Yeah, you know, and in transparency, we're not trying to hide anything. You are a police officer over in the UK. Um. What's it like been, or what's it been like trying to enforce these types of issues? Because it's become such a heated subject. Uh, I know in Canada, they are at least where we are. So, I mean, you know, Canada, so Ontario, we, our, our government has put it kind of all on the police officers and bylaw officers to enforce this type of stuff, um, but aren't really giving them the information uh, in a timely fashion. So they're kind of like, oh, like, I don't really know what to do. And it's creating some issues of, you know, people like kind of getting tickets where maybe they shouldn't. And, you know, it just kind of strains a already kind of strained relationship. Like how difficult it from your point of view has it been to enforce things like this, especially with people who are so passionately against lockdowns and masks and, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's been a very difficult process. So I can't say that I've given many, if any, tickets out myself. Um, and I know many of my colleagues do the same. In terms of the direction and the information we've received about enforcing the lockdown rules, it's, um, it hasn't been great. Um, and I think uh, there was a news story the other day where um, two women went for a walk in a park six miles away from their place of residence. And they got given a £200 um, mm. fine each for 
not staying in their local area. Now, there's no guidance currently about what is local. There's no mileage placed on it. So subsequently, those tickets have now been removed and they, they, they're not being enforced. But I think it's, it's very difficult because we haven't been given the direction and all the information we need. Um, I think we're a little bit apprehensive. You know, if you're going to house parties over Christmas and the new year where there's clear breaches of 25 people in a house party, which is why the cases are rising, absolutely, you know, no issues enforcing the rules there. But for people going out, exercising, trying to keep their mental health, you know, all well and good, it's a very, um, very difficult subject at the moment. Yeah, yeah that's it's it, it's hard to leave gray area when it comes to these situations. And I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into it because I know it's, it's a sensitive topic with, you know, relationship with with the public and police officers in certain cases but to put it in a perspective of you who's just you know trying to do their job trying to help people keep people safe and then they have gray area where you leave it open for interpretation and whenever you do that you're relying on people's ethics and morals and and judgment it, it just creates a messy situation and i can't for the life of me figure out why you know we're still kind of operating especially during a pandemic in this fashion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you, do you mean in, in regards to what, just, just policing in general or? I mean, yeah, I, specific to the pandemic, I think it's been a little trickier because you're, you're with everything that's kind of happened in, in the summer and, you know, it, it, it's been difficult for, for a lot of cases. We talked off mic about it, but in general too, I mean, to have any situation where it comes down to, someone's judgment to to make a call like that which can be so controversial so like what like you said someone's away from if their things are from their home for six miles but there's been no guidance from the government like when you put people in that situation it's it's hard to have a perfect outcome it's hard to you know have police officers supported um when you're when you're putting them in those types of positions Absolutely. And I think so we've been given slight direction. So I think we, I'm sure there's the four E's, but I can only think of three. So we need to um, engage, first of all, and then explain and then enforce. So it's always been a case of, I mean, I've been a very, I'd like to think of myself as a very fair police officer. I've been in, I've been in the line of work for about seven years now. And I, I, I'm a true believer in kind of 90% plus of the job is all about communicating, you know, trying to use as little force as possible and just talking to people. And, um, you know, we've been, me and my colleagues have been very fair, even with the first lockdown, it would be a case of just engaging and explaining to people, you can't be out in big groups in the parks at the moment, so please can you just go home, save lives and just protect everyone. Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of people do appreciate that and, and then they, they don't make the same mistake twice. So it's always better just communicating to begin with. Yeah, I mean, that's been the big conversation. Um, so I'm glad that, that it's kind of because, I mean, from what I understand, UK has a very much different perspective when it comes to policing. Like you said, that it's, you know, it's kind of engage and, and talk and communicate rather than jumping straight to force. Like, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but some... I don't know if it was Hollywood or someone told me this, but like UK police officers don't even carry a gun. I don't know if it's true. You just have yeah, your little baton. Um, regular. So certainly not. I think we're one of very few countries. I think Australia might be similar. Um, 
maybe not actually. Yeah, one of very few countries that aren't routinely armed. Um, we obviously have armed units to do. You, you've probably seen on the news the the London Bridge terrorist attacks a couple of years ago yeah. and whatnot. Um, so we do have obviously armed response units, but we don't regularly carry a sidearm or a firearm. Tasers, yes, um, but in a way, I think I quite like that. Um, you know, we don't have a massive gun issue in the UK. It's a lot more of the knife crime. Um, I, I don't really have an issue with not carrying a, a weapon as such on me. I, I can I can only look at you know the states and just see how much it's blown up in, in, in recent years and how kind of trigger happy cops can be. And it, it would worry me greatly if we were to put a firearm in the hands of some of the police officers, you know, not just in the UK, but all over the world. So um, I don't mind that we're not routinely on. Yeah. It's a, I like the perspective too, because then it, it reinforces like, you know, what it means to, to really be a police officer that like, you're supposed to be, talking with the community and, and getting to know them and becoming ingrained in it. So you build trust and relationships. And, um, you know, I have cops in my family and I've never been anti-cop, even though I don't always agree with some of the things that happen always. Uh, sometimes I'm strongly against them, like most people. Um, it, but, you know, we were talking a bit about, you know, how the perspective has changed on it. And it's quite unfortunate because it, it literally is a, like it's that job is so hard um, and you cannot be perfect at it, um, you know, and not to mention all the rampant issues of the mental health and illness and PTSD. And I know I've covered that in other episodes that, you know, impair sometimes judgment and, and make it even harder and stigma. It just, it's such a, a complex job and issue. And, you know, I just, I, I feel, I feel for everybody when situations like this, come about because nothing's easy about it yeah no absolutely it's um you know i think i think it's all relative every um i think every line of work has their bad, their bad eggs and you're going to you know you're going to get some road cops all over the world of course you are you're going to get some people that abuse their authority and their use of force um all, all i would like to comment on there is we, we are we're very have very stringent measures now you know we're in 2021 now uh, technologies advanced cctvs everywhere you know and we are we are disciplined by the um by the director of professional services so so you know if we if we even put a step a foot wrong um we're in the firing line as well so we're very conscious of the fact that we we kind of um you know we have to do the job properly and whereby you know in the 70s and 80s it might have been completely different times have moved on now um, yeah, public perception has been low of the police. There's no doubt about that um, in, in recent years, but um, hope, hopefully that can change. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things that kind of relates us uh, in a way is we both went through a pandemic breakup. So my breakup was uh, last May. Um, we only dated for a year and a half, but it was one of those situations where you know, I was kind of ready. I was like, okay, like, I think I found my person and uh, she ended it. And I, you know, I talked about it a lot publicly on social media and, and how I felt. And I even did a couple of interviews on it. And what I kind of learned is as a man, as a, a guy, we don't talk about our breakups. Um, and it doesn't have to be publicly, but we kind of ignore all the issues and the problems and, you know, being honest about 
how it made us feel and the challenges that came after it. Not to say that like, you know, of course women are allowed to break up with us and like none of it, like it's okay. Um, you know, no blame, no, no, uh, at least for me, there was no ill will. Um, it, it happened and that's fine, but it was hard. Do you want to kind of with, with, with your comfort, with what you're comfortable in sharing, take us through, you know, a little bit of this process for you as you've experienced this as well. Yeah, sure. Um, very, very tough period in my life. Um, so recently hit 30, you know, been through a few relationships in my life. And I think when you're kind of late teens, early twenties, you know, you're quite naive, you have breakups, you think they they were the one and, you know, you get over it, you move on to the next one. For me, this one was, um, you'll probably have a lot of the women watching this laughing now when I say I'm worried about my age because obviously guys don't have body clocks and things like this, but there is definitely still part of me that's like, oh, wow, I'm 30 now. And I was with a girl for two years. I was ready to settle, um, mm -hmm. have kids, have marriage. For me, she was an Australian girl, so I was, um, you know, even looking to move over to the other side of the world and I would have gone to the lengths of the end of the world to make that relationship work. Um, that broke down. I was I was lied to, compulsively lied to, and it was a horrible, horrible breakup. Um, and it really hit me hard. Um, yeah, very similar to you. I shared a lot of my views on Instagram. You know, things I've never done before, like putting quotes from various um, people off Instagram on my stories, and just I was going through a really tough time, and I'm kind of only just emerging out of it now, and it's been a very difficult. I'm still trying to process it. And yeah, it's it's interesting you you mentioned about men in general really struggle to kind of open up um but you see all these you know again i just go back to the whole you know 21st century type stuff we are we're in a world now where it should be acceptable for men to not be okay and be able to cry and be able to you know spread their emotions um i think that's that's quite healthy actually mm -hmm. yeah i've been sharing my mental health like my mental illness story for you know, I'm going on six years now publicly and been publicly speaking about it for uh, almost three. So I'm not a stranger to, to sharing, you know, the elements of my depression or, or my anxiety or, or suicidal thoughts. But when it comes to a breakup, there's something a lot more intimate and a lot more personal. It's one thing for me to say, you know, oh, I'm sad. Oh, I, you know, I don't want to live et cetera, et cetera. But when I'm talking about, you know, a broken heart and how that's made me feel, there is such a, a more kind of, you know, like I said, intimate feeling because I'm letting people like really into my heart. But when I, I shared it publicly, there, there was something quite cathartic about it as, you know, you know, not just even people reaching out or, or feeling for me or sending me nice things, but it was just kind of like, especially during the pandemic, you know, I, I know you kind of are able to get out, but I'm, I'm basically stuck in this room. You see most of the day I get out for walks. I, I exercise, but for the most part, like I'm stuck here working from home and I don't leave and I barely get to see anybody and, and talk to anybody. So I was basically kind of alone trying to figure this shit out on my own. So sharing it on social media was almost in a way like telling my friends about yeah. how I felt. Yeah, for sure. And I think you realize you know, I, I, I have fortunately a very good support network in regards to family. And I'm not saying friends I didn't really know I had, but you realize who means the most to you when you're going through a really difficult period. And, you know, a lot of people came to my aid over the last few months and I'm, I will be forever grateful. I probably 
well, would have really struggled to get through it on my own. Um, so very, very grateful. I had, I had, a, I had a good support network. But yeah, like, like yourself, um, there's been a lot of <clears throat> kind of self-isolation and work through home during the pandemic. And it's, it's kind of been heightened because it's not just a regular breakup where you can go out for a beer with your mates. It's, it's been a case of, oh, you've gone through a breakup during a lockdown where you're now on your own and you're having to deal with the fact you can't even go out into a social setting and even meet other girls as such because you can't even date at the moment. It's, it's very, um, it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the biggest thing. There's, there's no rebounds. There's no like calling somebody who's, you know, maybe kind of you've talked to over the month. You're like, Oh, she was kind of cute. And I'm messaging her, see what she's doing. like, where you're, you're stuck to deal with, to kind of sit there and deal with your own shit was. So I know you mentioned sharing like the quotes and I've always been a believer in sharing the quotes. I go back in my Facebook memories and I, you know, in high school, I was always sharing like lyrics of songs on my Facebook status. So I've always been that way. But like, were there, there things you did that helped you get over it a little bit quicker? Um, you know, for me, kind of acting impulsively, impulsively in ways helped me. So like I went and bought a bike and I bought a basketball and then I was going out for bike rides and I was playing basketball in a court uh, not too long ago, which really helped. I don't know why, but all of a sudden I discovered this love of musicals. So I watched The Greatest Showman once and I'm like, my life changed and like, it just made me so happy. Yeah. And then I started getting into that type of stuff and just kind of living my life a little more authentically which i think sometimes we don't do in a relationship which ends up harming it because you know we're we're trying to be somebody in their eyes maybe through no fault of their own but like just trying to keep a perception of of who we are that's stuff that helped me is there stuff that really helped you dig out of it or at least make things a little bit easier to bear i think for me it was um very much a case of just breaking that habit so Obviously, you invest a lot of time into the person you foresee yourself being with for the rest of your life. So, um, you know, I only went through our, our WhatsApp conversations shortly after the breakup, and we'd sent each other like 50,000 texts back and forth over the last year and a half, two years. You know, that's a lot of conversation every single day, every hour of every day for two years. For that just to be cut off completely um, was very difficult. So I think, you know, it's like breaking a habit. So, you know, stopping smoking, drinking, whatever it may be, it's breaking the habit and trying to get used to not having that person in your life anymore. And very much like yourself, I, I started, you know, going for runs, bike rides, trying to keep fit really helps the mental health. Um, very difficult to get out to the gyms at the moment because there's nothing open. So again, it's, it's been a slower process. Um, but, you know, I see a lot of people complaining about the lockdown and how much it's affecting them, but there's never been a better time to try something new learn a language, paint, draw, you know, there's so many things you could do that you always complain about not having enough time to do. So I would just say to people, go out there and do it. You could learn a language in six months if you really put your mind to it. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, no, you're, you're right. And like you said, breaking the habit of, you know, texting, calling, FaceTime, like, you know, um, a big thing for my last relationship is we would, go out a lot. It was very like a, a night, a beautiful big group of friends. So we would we would go out all the time and, and hang out and have parties, go to the bar, whatever. And now like all of, you know, this is gone and you're you're forced to self-reflect and, and figure your own stuff out. You know, as hard as it is, you're right. It was, you know, 
example, this podcast, you know, the, the, my ability and time now to open this up to more people coming on people around the world talking about different subjects, you know, it really helped this start to take off. Um, I've been able to devote other time to things that are important to me and, and able to cipher out the things that are important and are, aren't important and, you know, where I'm going to put my time and energy, you know, it, it took some time, you know, I, I didn't really develop any more hobbies, but I've been able to use my time and energy in, in more specific ways, which has like helped me grow more as a person. What are some of these, like, have you picked up some new things? Like, are you learning a new language or are you, you know, do you have like a, a burner account on Twitter where you're constantly chirping people all day? Like what are some ho- hobbies there or things that maybe pick you picked up along the way that have really positively impacted your mental health yeah i mean i i'm pretty pathetic really i tried learning spanish and gave up after a week but um (laughs) you know it would be a fantastic language to learn but no no just just touching on upon what i've already really said a bit i'm very fortunate to still be working um so i'm actually able to be out and about and and not stuck at home so much um as much as things as much as things have quietened down um it's very much uh you know, a case of feel very fortunate to, to be out and about at the moment. Um, and, and again, just, just literally going out, exercising, keeping very, trying to be as active, mentally active as possible. Yeah. Before this all happened, so you, I, I really like that I'm referring back to the, you know, sharing quotes and stuff. Were you an open person about your mental health beforehand? Like, were you, I see you nodding, but like, did you, share how you felt a lot did you did people maybe know i don't know if you struggled before or anything but like based on your reaction just right there you're you you weren't a very openly emotional person at least publicly to social and stuff like that certainly not publicly my my friends and family all know me as as probably quite in quite a sensitive chap i suppose very in touch with my emotions and i I do wear my heart on my sleeve you know i'm like a dog with a bone I, i want to know what people are feeling and thinking and you know even even with the breakup it could have been a, I should have just cut it and um, when I found out the lies and the manipulation when I found everything out I should have just called it and completely blocked but I like answers and I like to know why certain people have acted in certain ways especially when you've gone through a two-year intense uh, relationship when you've invested so much of your time um but I mean, I've literally just got a quote in front of me now, which is one of my favourite ones from, from the last couple of months. And it, it literally says, the right people appreciate you, they value you, your energy and your time. They believe in you and support you however they can, and they don't make excuses and their actions speak louder than words. That's how you know who's meant to stay in your life. And that's very much been a case where my friends and family have come to my aid and I, I've realised who's important to me um, recently, for sure. We're sharing it more publicly in a way sort of like a therapeutic to you? Did you feel better doing that type of stuff? Did it, did anyone reach out to you like after you're sharing and being like, wow, like I love that quote. I feel that way too, et cetera, et cetera. Any kind of feedback yeah. like that for you? It was a bit of a 50-50 for me because I felt like every, it was almost every day I was kind of putting quotes on, on, on social media, just pasting quotes from really good kind of, um, mindset uh instagram pages and I'd, I'd never done that before ever and i could see like the 50 percent would be people would view that and think oh well that's a little bit embarrassing like that guy's never acted like that before 
But then the other 50%, you know, were messaging me and, and, and just saying, yeah, you know what, really glad you've shared that. I'm going through the same thing. However, I'm not able to kind of share it as much as you. So thank you for, you know, showing that people do still care. Um, so, yeah, it was very much a 50-50 for me. I, 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 I probably went through that phase for about four or five weeks and I definitely slowed down with it now, but it, it was helping me. It was helping me to get that out there. And for me, it was just talking literally talking I, I i was able to just not bottle everything up and just talking to people even people just listening it was a massive help for me it uh that's the biggest thing i found since you know sharing anything publicly is the amount of people who think you know, like-mindedly or might be going through something very similar to you whether it's a breakup or just you know some some mental health struggles that like they, they just feel that like whether they don't feel comfortable or they don't want to, or they feel they can't share those things that how much they relate to someone doing it. And um, so like more of the power to you to, to share some things openly like that, because I know from personal experience, how much it can, it can actually help someone. And you, and you know, you might think when you're doing it or the first couple of times that you're like, oh, this is stupid. Like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed that, you know, I, I shared it, but I don't really care. And, but once you start to get that feedback from people, you're like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't I didn't realize, you know, this person I talked to maybe four times in high school, like kind of has experienced the same thing. And now they're like reaching out to me about it. It's like, oh, wow, there is a lot of power into openly sharing your emotions. And, and like you said, and especially as men, we don't do that enough. And we usually choose to drown our sorrow or our anger or rage in, in much unhealthier ways, whether that's, that's alcohol, whether that's, you know, we, we bottle it in and then we, it comes out as, as, you know, frustration or anger in, in other areas of our lives, or we take it out on other people or in, in, in future relationships that the power of just dealing with the shit now and getting it all out and, and figuring it out and creating a better life for yourself. Like, it's just, it's such an important process. And the breakup for me was like an even bigger realization of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, um, one of my best friends went through a, a breakup a couple of years ago and, and we were talking about it over Christmas. And he said to me, you know, I was crying every night. I, 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 I sometimes thought about ending things, you know, life-wise. Um, and I had no idea. This is one of my best mates. And he, he because he bottled everything up, he said it was a really hard process for him to deal with. And I just I just said to him, I wish you would have reached out to me and, and you know, I would have been able to help you. Um, but obviously people go through these things but keep them to themselves. And, you know, each to their own. Everyone's an individual. Um, I like to think, I've got a lot of love to give to friends, family and, and relationships. And I, you know, I, I, I want to help people wherever I can and where's best. Um, with what I've been going through, it's very, I've had to concentrate on me. For the first time in my life, I've had to be very selfish and just get myself better. Um, but now I'm kind of ready to, to anyone that's even listening to this that would like to have a chat and just talk through things, more than happy to talk to people because it's been hell on earth for the last couple of months. So um yeah. And it, some people might think it sounds, you know, silly or like when you, when your friend said, you know, I thought about ending things, you know, a lot of people would be like, it's just a breakup. Like, why would you think that? Like the, that's, that's an overreaction. It's dramatic. I, th I think that's actually quite common, um, especially after a breakup and, and whether it's like serious or you're just kind of contemplating it, mm -hmm. 
I mean, I, I went through that. Uh, I go through that a lot, but like, even with the breakup, you know, like in the moment and even knowing this is not my, that wasn't my first breakup. I knew eventually I would get better, but still in that moment, you know, I think a lot of us go through that feeling and it's not silly and it's not dramatic. And, and it's quite common that those are, those are thoughts that most people have during a breakup. It's, it's, it's a grieving process, isn't it? And, and, and for me, I, I've never had, fortunately, touch wood, I've never had anyone close die to me in my family or friends, um, a friend a long time ago in school, but no one really, really close. And I think it is the closest thing to someone dying, especially when you're in a relationship or were in a relationship with someone that's now 10,000 miles away and you can't even get close to them just to talk to them in person. Um, it, it is for me it's been a grieving process and it's almost felt like I've, I've lost but well, I have lost someone out of my life and mm. it sounds like we both invested quite a lot in these particular people I don't think it's silly to to, to have thoughts you know you, you put a lot of time and effort into someone and something and that's now being torn away just torn away from you and you've got to now get used to a whole starting all over again and I think it's, it's when you just mentioned there that um uh, what did you say about the, uh, you've been through it before. So it's all about experience, isn't it? And because you've been through it before, you know that you're going to get through it and you will get there, um, which is probably the only benefit to having, going through these breakups, you know, you will eventually you know, make it to the end. For me, it, it, every time I go through something like this, it raises my emotional intelligence. Like I just, I feel after I've kind of come out of that really deep set, like embedded grief and sadness, I just, I feel smarter about how I interact with people like in, in dating and relationships. Um, it, it, to me, it's just, I feel a lot better about myself and I'm like, okay, here I look back at my other relationship. I'm like, you know, as dumb as it is, here's where I know I made the mistake and, and mistakes and, I should correct them, even though I couldn't correct them in the moment to save it. It just, Mm -hmm. it makes me just a better person to go through these experiences shit as they are that now that I'm out of it and I'm I'm dating again and and meeting new people that I I just, I'm like, okay, like here's where I know I messed up. Here's where I know I can be better. So let's take that into the next, the next phase of my life and just, and and keep those experiences in, in the back of my mind to be a better partner, a better boyfriend, a better you know, person down the road. For sure. And, and, you know, you know, I don't think either of us are going to sit here now and say, you know, we were perfect. You know, every mm-hmm. relationship has two, has two sides to every story. You know, there's certain times I'm happy to say, well, not happy to say, but, you know, happy to mention that I, I, I probably got a little bit too jealous and things like this. And they're all, you know, we grow and we learn from our experiences and you take them into the next relationship and try and be better for that person. Um, yeah, life's about memories and experiences. You know, if you don't go through them, you'll know no different ways. So. Mm-hmm. Have you started the process of dating again? I mean, as, uh, as much as I can at the moment during uh, during lockdown, yeah. a lot of very depressing getting back on the old, um, you know, dating apps and whatnot. But how else are you going to talk to people at the moment? You can't go to the bars and grab a beer, so uh, very difficult. <laughs> what? I, so I know, I know, right now is different, but like, what's dating like in the UK? Is it like you have to meet people on dating apps? Are they are they busy? Like you know, do you getting a lot of matches? Like, 
I, I'm just trying to compare you, like my dating life in Canada, to like a, a lot of life. matches and not many people responding. Yeah, that seems to be. Oh, it's all the same. <laughs> no, I don't get I don't get any matches in Ottawa, so I'm like, okay, where can I move to finally like light this fire? Let's go. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, London's a, you know uh, loads of people in London. I'm sure you, I'm sure you find someone absolutely. But um, I think again, it just goes back to the whole um. 21st century modern technological advances i think people are now um dating online a lot more than even 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 when things are open and you can go out and i think for guys you know again and a lot of guys won't talk about this but and i think this is the whole whole point to why a lot of females think chivalry is dead in this day and age because a lot of guys are actually scared of rejection and you know there's so many times you'll go out to a girl in a bar you know or a guy but you know whichever way you are um and you, you sometimes people just start to have a good time with their friends and they don't want to be chatted up or um hit on so it's, it's very difficult i think it's a case of you feel a lot safer dating online and then going out for first dates that way i think it's just a safer process but um, it's definitely become commonplace hasn't it yeah i I'm terrified to go up to somebody in person uh, and ask them not only because of my anxiety, but like, I don't want them to get the wrong impression. I'm like, I'm not a creep, but I can't like go up and be like, Hey, I just want you to know, like, I'm actually super nice and I'm not a creep. And I just wanted to know, like, how sad is it these days that we have, that we have to literally almost say, I'm not a creep. I just want to talk to you. You're a really nice girl. Can I buy you a drink? But it does come like, even just talking about it, you can see why certain girls would think that's creepy. And it's (laughs) It's quite sad, really, but that's yeah. just that's the world we live in. Yeah, it. Uh, I. You mentioned like after, you know, breaking up, the starting over, and for me that was like, I. It was the thing I was least looking forward to of being like, fuck, I have to go through this whole process again of like, you know, meeting somebody, introducing myself to their family, developing a relationship, you know, meeting their friends, you know, like to me, it's like that's dreading. And it's dreading, especially on dating apps where I, I have to constantly go through, oh, what do you do? What do you, you know, like, what are you, your passions? What do you like to do? Like, to me, it's just like, it's so boring and tiresome. And I was like, as soon as like, that was like almost an immediate reaction for me. I'm like, fuck, now I'm going to have to go start over again and do this whole song and dance and freaking wave my feathers in this mating call to try to attract a mate. I'm like, fuck my life. <laughs> to me, I'm like, I just, I have no enjoyment in at least the, the initial part of like the dating process. Like I would much rather like skip to the third date where I'm like, let's cut the shit and let's yeah. just talk. Let's- Absolutely. I, I used to, interestingly, I used to love the, the dating, you know, the dating phase and the honeymoon period i used to act i used to thrive on it and go on loads of dates and it was great um but when you've when you've invested a lot of time into someone that you thought was going to be your one um it's very difficult to get to that stage where you want to start again and i share you know the sentiment there with what you've said about having to start all over again and meet the families and introduce yourself and all of this stuff you've been doing for the last couple of years with the last one, you've got to do all over again now. It would be nice if you could skip forward a few months, but unfortunately that's the way of the world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, I mean, thankfully it's a pandemic. So like, even when you match with people, you're kind of like, whatever, you can talk for a bit and there's not really any pressure to go out and meet because you, you really can't. Um, 
I always find myself cycling back to, you know, people I already know. And like, maybe I had a crush on them or I thought they were cute before. I'm like, you know, like, okay, they already kind of know me. So, uh, Hey, what's going on? How are you? Yeah. It it takes away the uncertainty of having to sit there and just swipe, swipe, swipe. And just, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm like, I'm getting too old for that shit. (laughs) I think, I think uh, exes and people you've been with before, you know, it's a safe bet and they know you, you know them. Um, I mean, my, my ex, just has, has gone back to uh, an ex herself so um, yeah it's, it's that, that that's been the hardest thing for me someone that's already broken her heart in the past that she's now given it another go with when you feel like you would have given her everything uh very difficult to process but um yeah uh definitely for me it would be a case of as much as exes and people you know are safe bets meeting new people i think is the way forward for sure that's the one thing I haven't had to really deal with yet is watching someone else move on. Um, that, you know, that's kind of like the final stabbing point, I guess, in, in this whole process of watching them with someone else being happy with someone else. And, you know, maybe you sitting there kind of alone and not being able to, to find it, haven't found anybody yet. There's a great song. I don't, have you heard of the artist um, JP Sachs? He's a Canadian. No, he's also a ginger, so already has my stamp of approval. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Are you? Have you gotten to the sappy music phase yet? Sappy love songs or sappy breakup songs? Oh, they just made me more depressed, man. I um, I quite like my music. Um, I'm, I'm into a lot of the um, oh, what do I like? A lot of the indie stuff, Kaiser Chiefs, Killers, that kind of stuff. I mean, okay. It's kind of like depressing, sad music. It's just, it's just gonna make me feel worse. Really. Oh. Even when I'm in my happiest moment, I love a good sad breakup song. I'm like, fuck yeah, I love that stuff. So anyways, he has a song that I just found. I, I got to remember what it's called here. Do, do, do. Um, hold on, we're, as we're pausing on the video and stalling. Um, a, little, a Little Bit Yours. So the song is called A Little Bit Yours. It's by J.P. Sachs. <laughs> And for I, I wish I found this at the beginning of the break or of the my breakup. I just found it like a, a week or two ago. But it, it perfect. It really articulates that feeling of watching somebody move on, where like you're, you're in the process of moving on, but you're not quite there yet. But now you have to kind of like see it and have to, excuse me, accelerate the process. So I know you probably don't want to be depressed about it, which is fine. But listen, if you want, listen to the song, and you're going to be like, ah, fuck. <laughs> That, that's how I felt. I would definitely give that a list afterwards. Um, well, these conversations are always fun, especially when I don't have an agenda. So uh, I appreciate you uh, indulging me and, uh, and and taking some time here out of your day to, to, to chat, and especially about stuff that, you know, is very personal and, and uh, makes you a little bit vulnerable. But um, I think it's important that we do, and we touched on the many reasons why. So I appreciate that, man. Thank you. No, you're more than welcome. And again, it's, I suppose it's just a case of for anybody that's going to watch or listen to this, if it, if it even helps one person, you know, we, we've done a good deal for that. Yeah, absolutely. So once this pandemic is over, I know you said you want to get back to Canada. Shout out to Casey Morrison, who uh, yeah. is connected us, who, who knows you and is the number one fan of the podcast. She has an episode uh, from much earlier on. So shout out to her. So when you're here, 
we'll definitely have to connect. And I definitely want to get over to London because I want to find myself a British girl because I'm obsessed with the accent. So it's, it's funny because I, I just want to find myself anybody that's not a British girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's the novelty, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, it's it's exotic, but not too exotic. I, I you know I just like the accent. It just it's very charming, and very very. I don't know. Do I? Does the Canadian have an accent? Yeah, of course you have an accent to me for sure. Oh, do I sound like small town? <laughs> uh, what, what, well, I don't know what small town is. Uh, it's like tw- twangy, you know, like so, I think southern USA. Yeah, a little bit. Although <laughs> I, can, I, I can definitely tell the difference between a Canadian and an American accent. There is a subtle difference. Oh, so interesting. Um, I, I always give a chance for people to plug something if they want. So I don't know if you have an Instagram or SoundCloud account, um, but if, if there's anything you want to plug or if there's like any final words that you want you want to give people before you sign off now is the opportunity yeah no nothing nothing that i um nothing that i'd really like to plug in just to, it would just be kind of reiterating what i've already said if, if, if even one person wants to have a chat with either yourself or me after this um you know more than welcome and i'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone but um just look after yourself and stay safe you know mental health is a big important thing right now Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I appreciate this. Uh, stay safe over there. Looking forward to connecting once uh, fucking COVID hits the road. Absolutely. Thanks so much. <laughs> Cheers. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.